See, you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody, or you're nobody. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. It's time to just look under the hood. No stone should be unturned. I don't even know what that means. Look under I got an engine underneath my hood. The most important thing in business is honesty. Integrity, hard work. Family. Never forgetting where we came from. Hey, pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the uh, Under the Hood podcast. I'm Jonathan Hood with you every Saturday, getting your weekend set up right. As always, I appreciate everyone downloading the podcast, and I hope that you've been able to go back and listen to the archives of the Under the Hood podcast. We've had some terrific guests. We had Stephen Gaither, the founder of HBCU Game Day on, really interesting conversation with him. And of course, since I've been doing these Saturday podcasts, it gives me the opportunity to just kind of wring my brain out and just kind of talk to you about what's on my mind. First and foremost, our under the Hood podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. There's no better place to get in all the action for football, everything else, with DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, if you haven't done so, download the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app. Uh, DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook has a promo code. It's WMVP. WMVP is the promo code uh, if you'd like to be able to jump in on that when it comes to sports gambling. Uh Speaking of WMVP, thank you so much for the support. Uh, I've been with David Kaplan doing mornings since August 17th. That was the time that the station uh, changed its schedule, and I went from evenings to mornings. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for the support. I've, If you have been on the Internet, you probably have seen uh, some columns or conversations about how well the station is doing, and that is because of you. So thank you so much, as always, for supporting our show. We're having a fun time, a blast. Uh, I know I am doing 7 to 10 with uh, David Kaplan for our morning show. So thank you. If you've listened once, if you listen every day, thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. And uh, interesting week because we were able to review two Bear games in one week. You know, one side of it is the Bears and their loss against the Indianapolis Colts and how pedestrian the offense looked and how the defense you know, was was hang, they really hung in there, I thought. And it was an opportunity for the Bears to break through at home, and they did not. And then we see on Thursday night, the Bears went against Tampa Bay. It's so funny about the National Football League, right? How likely it is for the Bears to beat the Colts and an aging Phillip Rivers, even though that offensive line, defensive line for the Colts are very strong. You kind of thought that maybe Foles will be able to break out. The offense would break out. It did not. But yet the Bears, a few days later, beat the greatest to ever do it, Tom Brady in that offense. Yeah, they had injuries. Yeah, they had a lot of people that are not available, but you still gave Brady the benefit of the doubt because he's always been able to find a way. 
except Thursday. He was not able to find a way. Uh, the Bears win that game, and uh, I always like to hold our teams accountable. You know, I know that for those that have listened to me for a long time, if you're a longtime listener of mine, you know it's about holding our teams accountable. You know, the, the idea that people just root for laundry and anything that the Bears do is great and, and is just nonsense. Um, my job is to be able to hold our teams accountable because I know what it looks like when you win. I know what it looks like when you're at the mountaintop and some just just believe that, you know, everything the Bears do is great. Um, when the Bears win, everything is, is positive. Yeah, mostly is positive. But for me, when I look at teams that I root for, teams that I watch, I look for inter- incremental success. Like, how can the Bears be able to be even better for the next game and the next game? How do you climb that mountain? Uh, so you take the wins as they come. There's no doubt. You don't take that away, but you always expect more because the team expects more. Uh, so my expectations are Nagy's expectations. And some people always get that twisted, which I, I don't get. Like, I'm a fan but also I'm a fan with a keen eye and have expectations. Some just say, oh, the Bears won, so it's all good. It's great. It's great. Like, it is great. It's great for the week. But then you want to have that same momentum. You want to continue to do this. I'll tell you a quick story, real quick. Some people believe that if the Bears go 3-13, and that's great for me. That's great because we could just be negative 13 weeks out of 16. That's not true. That's not true. What you want is a team like the Bears now, where if you're not sure whether or not they are a playoff team, not sure if they're going to be a great football team, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have a 4-1 team to talk about and talk about all the great things about the 4-1 team and how they can get better for the next week than to talk about a team that's the drizzling shits. I would never want to deal with that. But more times in my career than not, talking about Chicago Bears football, I've talked about a team that's not been very good. So the idea that I root for them to be horrible or anyone in my profession roots for them to be bad, uh uh-uh, can't do that. It's much better this way. (laughs) There's a lot more positives and a lot more things to look forward to than knowing a team that's only destined for the draft. Uh, How about the the Lakers? Uh, I'm going to call my cousin Wiley in just a second because uh, LeBron James here's my thought on LeBron James. LeBron James is one of the greatest basketball players I've ever seen. To a certain generation, like the millennials, they see LeBron as their Michael Jordan, and I have no problem with that. Um, how, how Gen Z, how millennials look at LeBron is how baby boomers looked at possibly Chamberlain or Russell or, or, or basketball players of that ilk during that time. But there's something with LeBron... The Lakers decide yesterday that they are going to wear the dark uniforms, the Kobe Mamba uniforms, and then they lose in those uh, Mamba uniforms. They've never lost when they've worn those Mamba uniforms until last night. Jimmy Butler had a big middle finger up. He's like, oh, is this our funeral? How about this? How about we beat you in those black uniforms? I got to talk to my cousin Wiley about that and a few other things. My crazy cousin Wiley loves sports as much as I do. I'm going to give him a call right here on our Saturday edition of the Under the Hood podcast. Ah, nothing like a Saturday morning with my crazy cousin, Wiley, who loves sports as much as I do, here on the Under the Hood podcast. What's going on, man? What's going on, cousin? I'm good, man. I'm good. You, you've been you've been uh, absent in my life lately. I think it's because, since Trubisky lost his job, can't find you anymore. I don't know what happened. As soon as Foles took over, can't find you. Well... 
Yeah, I'm, I'm still in mourning right now. Like, that was, uh, that was a really tough pill to swallow. As this, big, have, uh, as this big Trubisky fan, like, uh, I know that you were all about MT10, and then he loses his job in Atlanta. Where, where you been? Well, I mean, I have a lot of uh, number 10 jerseys to retire in my house, though. So, you know, trying to figure out uh, what to do with them. So, yeah, it's uh, a time. I said at the time, I said at the time, I said I was very surprised that Mitch was pulled in Atlanta because I thought, okay, I don't know if the Bears win the game, if he's in there or not, but you have to give him the opportunity because it is Atlanta's defense, right? And so as I was watching it in real time, it was around 2 o'clock on that Sunday, I'm like, wait a minute, why is Foles in there? Yeah, the offense doesn't look good, but it wasn't to the point where it was so bad that he should have been pulled. I said that at the time, so it surprised me. Well, I think uh, Nagy had made up his mind prior to the and I think he was looking for pretty much any reason to uh, to make the switch. And once Trubisky threw that really bad interception, it was like, hey, you know what? And he, he made the switch. Because we've seen the, up until the last uh, couple minutes of the first half of the Tampa Bay game, oh, the same offense, maybe less. Mm-hmm. He, he, he had scored three points for in the previous six quarters. Three points. Outside of that garbage, I mean, it's that garbage time touchdown um, the week before. They had scored three points. You know, and we had seen the more, um, the veteran quarterback make some of the same mistakes. And, and sometimes possibly worse than the ones that uh, Trubisky was making. But I think there's a comfort level Nagy has with both. So it's like, hey, you know, I like this guy a little bit more. Um, I have some experience working with him. He won a Super Bowl at the replacement player. Let let you roll with him. But while I don't think Foles is a terrible quarterback, I didn't think he was either. Uh, I think Seth Rolfes is going to begin in with Maggie getting his head out of his out of his butt, you know, because you know we're seeing some of the same problems that, that, we, that we saw before. Uh, no flexibility with the offense. Like, Foles comes to him um, when they're in the, near the goal line, you know, in the red zone, like, hey, I'm seeing something. And Nagy's response essentially was, well, we can't change it because we didn't practice that during the week. Right. Who cares? You know, like, it's the same thing we're seeing with Trubisky. Well, we're only focusing on the things we practice. Well, why is that? You know, like, you have to have some plan outside of what you practice. You know, like, you have to be willing to adjust to the game that's in front of you. And, you know, he seems to be unwilling to make those adjustments. Well, you are right when you say that in the Colts game that some of the throws we saw from Foles were similar to Trubisky, but yet Trubisky got pulled and Foles did not. Now, it's interesting that in in that game and also in the first half of the Tampa game, Trubisky's name started to trend again. People was like, well, maybe they should re-switch. Like, but, but my point is, with all this, is that you know, it's funny how 
how uh, Matt Nagy just closed the door completely on Trubisky. He was just like, no, moving forward, Foles is going to be our guy. Like no, ma- like, no matter what. So Foles could be complete ass for like three games in a row, and you're not going to go back to Mitch. Like it, it's, it, I understand that if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. But the point is, though, Wiley is like, he completely closed the door on him. And that that's fine, but... People have to understand that Nick Foles is not necessarily the savior. He was for the Eagles, but the idea that you you have someone that is quality back there, like he can really turn a team around, well, maybe for the short term, but not for the long haul. I don't see it that way. Yeah, he doesn't have a, a record of success. Like, he has made, made a lot of money off of... A, that that brief playoff run that led to Super Bowl for the Eagles. Yeah. But outside, he hasn't done much in his career. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the you know, compare the numbers for their career, look look better, you know. But we we saw uh, Foles beat Tom Brady. You know, we're like, oh, well, if he beat Brady, what's Peter Man like? The Jaguars. Loved him so much, mm-hmm. they were willing to take a thirty-plus million-dollar cap hit this year to walk away from him. You know, like, hey, you know what? We've seen enough of this guy. We know he will not be able to sustain that match we saw in the playoff run. Let's just take the cap hit and let's move on with the with the quarterback who is not really good. You know, we'll, we'll take Gardner over him. Right, and that's kind of how. They, they move forward, but I, I think there's a, a case of like stubbornness from Nagy. You know, like, he was brought in, and he won't be the first guy who uh, who lied on a job interview. You know, he was brought in to uh, to develop Trubisky into um, into a competent or you know at least really good quarterback. And we've seen flash of what Trubisky could be if he was consistent, but. You know, that's it because you have a coach who's like, "Hey, I see what their qualities, your good qualities are, you know, and I see things you do bad. So we're going to run an offense that's focused on the things that you don't do well. You know, like you have to make adjustments to that fits your quarterback, that fits your your offense that you currently have. You can't look at Mahomes and say, "Hey, I want to do what Mahomes is doing." Right. We all just, you know, we don't have Patrick Mahomes, unfortunately. You know, so we can't we can't run an offense that that has Tyreek Hill, you know, and the weapons that they have because we don't have those same players. You know, like our Allen Robinson probably would be the fourth option in Kansas City. He's, <laughs> he's wow. by far our number one option. Oh. You know, like, like that. So, like talent wise, it's just completely completely different. And and I say this, I think Nagy is a really good head coach. I think how he keeps that team together, like there's no leaks. You know, and I know the defense has to be pissed most weeks. You know, and they, he still managed to keep that team together. So I think he's really good at, as a head coach. But when it comes to calling plays, I think it's probably time to, you know, go to Bill check route. Well, I'll tell you what, if if Nagy wasn't calling plays, he'd just be standing there. He'd be like McCarthy in Dallas. Like McCarthy's not calling those plays like he was in Green Bay. He's just a traffic cop. 
he just he just standing there. Like I mean, if Nagy Nagy could be there as a motivator, but if he didn't have a play sheet in front of him, he'd be useless because he didn't have any like uh, real imagination defensively. I mean, that's what Chuck Pagano's for. And I always think like you, you fired a couple of guys on the offensive side of the football on the staff. And by the way, if people forget. That last press conference that Bears had before when the season ended, Wiley, like he was like, "Oh no, we love our staff, everything's great," and he fired like two coaches or three coaches two hours later. So, right. so, so, but it's like I don't know what John DiFilippo does if Nagy's always calling the plays. You know, it's like, and a perfect example of of what I'm talking about is you saw in the game. I think it was the second half, maybe third quarter, where Foles has got things going. And then, like, all of a sudden, you know, he's seven for seven. He's matriculating the ball down the field. And all of a sudden, they're up-tempo, and then it just stops. And then Foles on the sideline is like, why did you stop me? Like, we were going in a tempo, and, and Nagy's like, no, let's stop and let's try to evaluate. And he's like, well, if we're going tempo, we got the defense in our heels. Why are you stopping me? It's 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 interesting, and I, I said this on Friday with, with Kaplan. I said, you know, it's going to be it's, – it's Nagy's way or the highway, right? He'll listen after the fact, but whatever he thinks is right, he's going to do it. And to me – you have to have some trust in your quarterback to do the right thing, even a veteran like Foles, right? If you, if you think yeah. he's if you think he's washed or not, whatever, you still have to trust your quarterback and his natural instincts instead of just like, no, I, I want you to throw this, you know, this uh, one yard out to Patterson. Well, I think that quarterback should have had the ability to audible too, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, and I think that's just being so rigid when it comes to play calling when it comes to preparation. You know, like, honestly, a lot of, some of the, the best play we saw from Trubisky was when he was, there was an up-tip office. Or he was calling his own plays. Yeah. You know, imagine that. Like, just playing backyard football. And we saw this sort of thing. Oh, the offense looked really good. They were at least moving the ball when he was just kind of, you know, playing up tempo and, and doing his thing, and then Nagy was like, "No, we we must all this this screen that hasn't worked in three years, <laughs> but I believe it's going to work right now." You know, oh, it didn't work. Shoot, but okay. Um, well, let's let's run, let's pin the ball off to Patterson because you know he's going to get a big chunk. Oh, he's still big. All right, fourth down. Uh, all right, we'll just get the field goal. Like, you're killing your, you're killing your team. Like you have to be flexible. You have to be like, whatever you saw on game film, that that's great. You know, you prepare for it, but you have to be able to prepare for things that you may not. Do. You know, and I think that what we're seeing now is some of the things that Trubisky was actually saying. Like, hey, well, we need to see this, so we can. We couldn't adjust to it. And, and we're like, oh, well, Trubisky is just, you know, he, he's an idiot. He, he, maybe he is. Maybe he is. But, but we're seeing the same things now. And Foles isn't an idiot. Like, because the coach isn't willing to make adjustments beyond what he's prepared for. You know, and that's a sign of someone who probably shouldn't be calling play. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, working this show every morning, I think that, more and more the audience is realizing and the, the people that listen to this podcast or people that listen to uh, me when I was doing nights, they already know, 
but it's kind of like um, informing this new audience that like I am not against the Bears. I don't think I know that you're not against the Bears because you're a big Bears fan. But the point is, is that we just have we've seen this before, right? We, you want to be able to hold teams accountable and. We both know what it looks like when it's right, like watching Kansas City. You know, we, we see the New England Patriots when they won all their Super Bowl championships. We know what it looks like when it's right. And I just look at the Bears week to week. And with them being 4-1, and one, that's, a, that's great for this Bears team because I didn't expect them to be, you know, win four out of their first five games. But I look at them as saying, hey, it's great that they're 4-1. and one. Now, how can they capitalize on that the next week? You know, so, some will let's classify what we're talking about as hate or, you know, taking a look at the team and, and tearing them apart. We're not doing that. We're just saying how you can get better from week to week because, you know, tomorrow's not promise in the NFL. You can lose the next four or five games. I don't expect them to do that, but I think I think when you're an adult, you hold your teams accountable and root at the same time. I think you can do both. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that uh, even as a meatball bitters fan, you know, you understand that way, hey, so you take a step back as like, you know what, I want them to win all 16 games or keep the playoffs. Probably won't happen, but okay, what does this team do well? Um, what are their flaws and how can you hide their flaws so they can win more games? Yeah. Um, and I think defensively, like, they're still really, really good. I wouldn't say, you know, like, they're not 2018. They're not quite there. It was nice to see um, a Khalil Mack show for work on Thursday. I'm yeah. happy for that. Um, but, like, offensively, they're not hiding their flaws, you know, and, and that. That's frustrating as a, as a as a bear thing. You're like, hey, you know, you do these things well. Let's do more of those things, you know. And I was listening to your show, uh, I think during the summer, and you had a caller, you know, uh, refer to Trubisky as January uh, in the in the Bears calendar failure. And I think really that that's naggy now. You yeah. know, I, I think that's naggy, and I think we're starting to see that. You know, Nagy stubbornness has been holding Lawson's back, whatever it could potentially be. Um, and and I think he's a really, a really good head coach, smart guy. And you're like, at some point, you have to, you know, take a step back and and see like, hey, you know what? I'm not doing a, a good job at this. Well, let let someone else call some plays for half a quarter, you know, just to get a different feel for the game, and maybe you'll see something different. Um, because he, he didn't have a lot of experiences with that in Kansas City, and and I'm I fear that we'll waste uh, a great defense before he figures out how to consistently be a, a good play call. Yeah, I I said that. It, this Bears defense may not be the Fangio defense, but that's okay. Like you're still top five, top ten because of your personnel. Um, I love somebody clapping back at me yesterday. It was like, you know, because I said on Thursday, hey, you know, I want the Bears to have more splash plays defensively. You know, it, it's a Mike Tomlin reference. Like, I want more splash in my defense, right? And so, you know, it, it's, it, we can look at all these numbers all we want, Wiley, and we'd be like, hey, you know, the Bears are top three and stopping the run or top five and this and top that. But, man, unless you got the quarterback on the ground or making it very difficult for him on hurries, I don't care about any about those numbers. And then somebody said, oh, you know, here's your splash plays. I'm like, well, yeah, like Khalil Mack for the first time all seasons actually get – 
able to get to the quarterback. He had to hip toss some dudes, but he finally got there. You know, like, like that, that's the whole thing. Like, I know it won't be Fangio's defense, but it's good enough to keep you in a ball game. Like, they gave up 10 points in the first quarter, and then the rest of the time, uh, Brady could not get home. And so I was, right. I was happy with that. Yeah, I, I, I thought they played really, really well. Um, and it was like they had, it was sort of like a safety game for them. It's like, hey, you know, we don't really care what the office is doing. You know, we're going to make sure you don't score that. And that's they did. You know, they, they kept them out of the end zone and took the ball away uh, with, the, uh, with the with the fumble and gave the offense a chance to get back to the game in the first half. And that's what you want to see from a, a, a Chicago Bears season. So really excited about the defense. Really excited, really excited to see uh, Khalil Mack show up for work. Um, <laughs> Cal Fuller is probably, I mean, yeah, you, you know, Khalil Mack has been showing up on, on painting with a ski mask on, you know, for a while now. I know, I know the analytics, you know, we're like, of course, it becomes an analytical um, thing like, well, whoa, he's, oh, he's the, the blocker, you know, most of the time, well, who cares? Because he sacks the quarterback. Right. You know, like, tell me when he sacks the quarterback. Tell me when he calls the fumble. Um, and we saw, like, the splash play. But the defense is playing well. Um, and hopefully it continues. Um, they had, what, 10 days prepared for the Colts. But you still want to see it a bit more from the offense. And until you think you can see, you know, just, just give me the Jim Miller Bears offense. And I think we can go pretty far in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, it's, it's only been a couple of times in our lifetime where the offense looked good. Jim Miller, Eric Kramer, Jim McMahon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're younger than me, so the 85 Bears, I remember that team. And actually, that offense wasn't awesome. It was just good enough, you know. Um, so looking at the next few games, tell me this. Let's see. It's at Carolina and Teddy Bridgewater. It's at the Rams. That is a Monday night game uh, against the Rams in golf. The New Orleans Saints is week eight, and the Titans is week nine. So I'll give you four games. What will the, what, how many games will the Bears win in those four? As a, as a meatball fan, um, I think they can win all four. Um, yeah. Like the, the Carolina game, like, Bridgewater doesn't scare me at all. Like, I, I think he's um, a, a, a decent quarterback, but somewhat overrated. So I think Bears defense will, won't have a, a problem with him. Uh, I don't think golf, I think golf has been, it's not really a really good quarterback, but his coach does a, a great job of hiding, of, of at least attempting to hide his flaws. And we saw uh, a couple years ago when the Bears exposed him. Like, the Bears exposed him as a quarterback, and he was never the same. He still had to be the same, other than a couple games here and there. Um, so I think today is hiding his flaws, and I think we'll, you know, just be able to contain him. Uh, the Saints is more of an issue, even though I think Drew Brees is, you know, is, is pretty much done, you know. I, I still think that their their running game and their weapons on offense uh, could create conditions. Um, because I look at all these games, it's like we have to stop them from scoring. Yeah. We can hold them under a certain number of points. We have a chance because I don't necessarily think the offense will explode. 
so the Saints and the and the Panthers game, I mean not the Panthers, the Titans game worries me the most because uh, trying to stop Derrick Henry, you know, I think that's going to be a, a struggle, you know, all game because we're we're struggling stopping the run with the yoga running back. You know, when we're talking about um Kamara, uh and and Henry, two of the elite running backs in the NFL, you know, that's going to be pretty tough consistently uh stop both. But, you know, I'm I'm hoping for uh I would love to see uh, well, before, but I'm thinking more likely than not, we'll probably put the game. I think that's fair. Um, I could see, I could see t- at worst two and two, at best three and one. I don't know if they can. Uh, I'm not sure that they can beat Tennessee on the road, um, but we'll see. We'll see. That's going to be a, tr- a strong test for the defense because of Derrick Henry uh, on that game in the eighth. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, I want to ask you about the uh, the NBA too. Um, this bubble life has been amazing. Just how these players have been able to stand this. I mean, that's like that's amazing that they have that testicular. You know that that um, that fortitude to be able to stay in that bubble. Uh, and so here we are with the finals. And Jimmy Butler is saying, "Okay, you're gonna wear those mom black uniforms. It's our funeral. How about this? How about we beat your ass?" How about we win? Right. How about we win again? Now the Heat may lose this series. More than likely, they will. But it's not like Jimmy Butler's going out with a fight. Now, I'm, this is the thing I'm looking at the most, Wally. With this, it's, it's one thing to look at LeBron. More than likely, going to win his um, another championship with another team. It's it's a uh, it's a great feat. But I'm looking at Jimmy Butler out of all of this and saying. Jimmy was with the Bulls. Jimmy was with Minnesota, Philadelphia, and gets his own place in Miami. Like, I need to be the leader of this team, and he has been. I think this series says a lot about who Jimmy Butler is and who he's becoming, even more so than what the Lakers are doing. I am lowered by what I've seen from Jimmy Butler. Like, I I thought he was, for years, I thought he was like a a top, you know, 15 player in the league. Um, just one of those grindy guys, but not special. Uh, and watching him in the playoffs, in the finals, the special player. He's the guy that you want in the back alley with you, you know, um, when when your life is on the line. Right. Like, he leaves <laughs> it all on the, on the court. Like, watching him last night, he's like, he's not going to lose his game. You know, he has nothing left in the tank at all, but he's not going to let them lose the game. And more importantly, he's not going to leave it up to, you know, uh, Duncan Robinson or, you know, any other player when it comes to taking his shot down the stretch. He's going to take, he's going to live and die with whatever he does offensively when it comes to putting the ball in the basket. He puts the ball in the basket. And then you have LeBron on the other hand, you know, where, he played a hell of a game. You know, even at the end of the game, he was playing bully ball. You know, and I'm like, hey, this is good to see. LeBron's wearing the mama jersey, you know, channeling mama right now. He's like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot the ball. And then you get the last possession, and there's 15 seconds left, and he's passing the ball to Danny Green. Yes. And you're like, you're like, why? You're like, if you're going to lose this game, you know, Lose because you missed the shot. We can live with as, as a as a a fan of the league. I can live with that. Watching that, like, hey, you know what? 
LeBron, you know, left all on the court, played a hell of a game, um, just missed that last shot, played a great game. But you passed the ball to Danny Green, but when he touched the ball, you could tell he didn't want anything to do with shooting that ball, but he had to. And he, of course, missed it. You know, and then, you know, obviously uh, you got, you know, Morris channeling his, uh, his inner uh, J.R. Smith, and, you know, that was pretty much the, um, pretty much the game. But, like, watching, like, it's been a great finals. Like, I, I'm I'm pulling for the Heat. You know, I, I know the chances of them of winning, especially with the injuries, but, like, just watching the way that Jimmy Butler is playing basketball and the way he's willing his team to victories over a far more talented Lakers team, you know, it's like, man, you want to see a guy like that rewarded with, with a trophy. I uh, I need to know if uh, Chicago's own Perspectives High School's um, Anthony Davis is healthy enough to play on Sunday. Um, man, I, here's what's going to happen. Next time that you uh, and me and Maceo and Terrence, when we get together, we're going to go through the top players that ever played in high school basketball in Chicago. I'm not sure we go. I think we can go 25 deep without saying Anthony Davis. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying that, like, nothing yeah. against the twenty-eight yeah. and twelve, but it's just like I don't know, I don't know if he's a hundred percent. That's one thing, but then you make you make the great point about the end of the game, right, dude? This is a chance to win the championship, and so you're trying to make somebody a hero. This ain't a regular season game in February. What the hell are you doing? You know, like, well, I mean, LeBron has to, and he scored forty, and I, but look, I know he scored forty. Like, I look at it like I look at I'm watching the game and I'm looking like, hey, you, you, Michael Jordan sees Jimmy Butler going at him and put his team up. Yeah, Kobe Bryant sees Jimmy Butler going at him and put his team up. You know, to win the game is Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant passing the ball to Danny Green if it's five on one. No shot. <laughs> no. No shot. No shot. You know, <laughs> no shot. You know, they're like, hey, you know what? You, oh, I see you, Jimmy, but. Take that, you know. Take this too. Game winner, right? Over, you know. Like th- that's what it is. And, and LeBron's like, hey, I'm, I'm making the right basketball play. I don't care about the right basketball play. You know, like yeah, it was the right play. You hit the open man, but that open man was afraid to touch the ball. Like he was like, oh, sh- oh, he passed it to me. Oh shit, I have to shoot. Oh. All right, oh man, I missed it. I'm sorry. I mean, I know you expect me to miss it anyway, but you know. uh my bad. <laughs> like, 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 he had no confidence in that shot. Like, no, I like, know. You, you, when you see a player catch the ball and they believe they're going to make that shot, it looks a little different. Danny Green was like a guy, like you, like a kid that was in the game, was trying to, he was on the court, he was trying to avoid getting the ball, and the ball found him. He was like, "Oh, oh wow, um, what do I do? Uh, I, I guess I'm supposed to shoot." Um, oh man. You know, he, he didn't want to shoot the ball. LeBron has to, as the best player, he has to take that shot. Um, and to play a game like he played and then leave it up to Danny Green, you know, it, it's really unfortunate, you know, to watch, especially the guy who grew up watching many of the great players like, hey, you know what, we're going to win and lose with whatever I do. You know, and, and I'm, I can live with that. I can live with that. Even Jimmy Butler was like, hey, isolation. Give me the ball, 
Um, we're going to win and lose with me taking each shot. Right. Yeah, I just that <clears throat> that Mamba uniform thing tripped me out because I'm like, oh, they're undefeated in the Mamba uniforms until last night. Like, but you, but here's the thing: while you don't create your own narrative, man, like you, you, he's trying to make it too perfect. Like, you know, tonight where's the clinching night? So we're gonna put on, you know, what Kobe would have wanted. Don't do that. Don't do that because yeah. now that just adds more fuel to the Heat, and that's saying that the Heat are a great basketball team. But what I'm saying is, is that you just want don't want them on the other side to be like, oh, so you're wearing these because you think the series is over. Well, how about this? How about if we do this to you? How about we keep it close? How about Jimmy Butler goes for 35 and uh, uh, 12 and 11? How how about Duncan Robinson has the, one of the great games of his career? How about that? And how about we beat you with seven players? Right. <laughs> like, like, you know, yeah. like they only they only went too deep on the bench with Iguodala and, and Kendrick Nunn. So I just, you know, as here's I respect LeBron James as a basketball player. To a certain generation, this is their Jordan. So I yeah. I totally understand that. But at the same time. You know, there's some certain things he does that it just make, it scratches my head. Like, why are you creating your own narrative? That like, well, just just win the games. That's all. It, that's all yeah. that matters. Don't worry about the outside fluff. Yeah, it it, it shouldn't matter. Um, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't matter, but especially at this point in his career, but for whatever reason, it still does. And and I, and I think also we're saying though that you know Anthony Davis, you know is. He doesn't have that it gene either. You know, he he's lacking that it. You know, and you're you're watching two guys who are really talented, um, who who don't necessarily have that it gene, and you need that when it comes when when there's winning time, especially you know um, if it's close. You know, where talent just can't always overwhelm your opposition. You know, and right now we're we're seeing that. Jimmy Butler has that itching, you know. Yeah. He has that itching, and he's going to leave everything on that court. You know, um, I I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the next game, you know, they had to bring a stretcher out there for him for the end of the game. <laughs> I mean, that's how the guy, that's how he's playing. And, you know, that's what you want to see. It inspires you as the game to watch something like that. Like, wow, look at this kid. You know, um, he's leaving it all on the court. And I don't think, you know, Katie, I don't think uh, AD can say the same things. And, you know, uh, when ball today green, um, I don't think he can say the same thing. You're not leaving it all in. You have to take that shot. Yeah. I just, you know, you, you can't, you're trying to make things perfect. And listen, we saw Michael do it with Steve Kerr or to, to guys, but, you know, they were confident in themselves that they could make those shots, you know, but yeah. when, when, when you, but you, when you're that dude, you have to be that guy. If you missed a shot, who's going to be on you? You missed a shot. I mean, that happens to the, the best yeah. of them. Michael's missed shots, but don't try, yeah. try to, don't try to paint that perfect moment. Like you're like, Oh, if, if I, if he has this shot, then I'm going to be immortalized. No, it's not about that, bro. It's not about that. No. <laughs> what the hell, man? Right. The fuck! Just just, win the game. Just, uh, you're 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 allowing the, you're allowing the heat to, to help. That's what you and you're allowing you you're giving. There's a, a chance that you may not be helped. You know, like get into this going to you know that ankle was going to or that heel was going to hold up. You know, who knows that? So you're leaving too much to chance. 
get it over with, you know, because there's more pressure on you in game six, you know, because you're trying to avoid, you know, a winner take all game seven, you know, and just a little bit more pressure. And there's less pressure on the Heat now because they're just playing. You know, it's like, hey, we have nothing to lose. You know, so you, you get it over. You don't give your opponent an opportunity when you when you have when you have a chance to put them away. And the Lakers have, and and I think, you know, if the Lakers lose this finals, the stain on LeBron's career, you know, it's it's going to that finals record going to be even more magnified. Like, yeah, you've gotten to the final what eleven times, mm-hmm. but you've only won, but you've only won three. You know, like. You can't go three and eight in the finals. Um, like we don't consider Jerry West uh, a top two, three player of all time. You know, didn't win enough. You know, he's a logo, but he wasn't winning. Right. Those teams were taking advantage. You know, so like you can't be considered one of. You can't be on Mount Rushmore when you're three and eight in the finals. You know, when Jimmy Butler beats you in the finals. Yeah. You know, like, like that can't happen. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, it, there's a, there's a little more pressure on on, on Lakers, but yeah, it's been the, the bubble has been really great basketball. Yeah, and, and I know you probably can't um, like replicate that next season, um, or hopefully you, you won't be able to because hopefully we'll have things um, this pandemic under control. But like just watching that type of basketball, like it's I hadn't seen that type of play in year. You know, it, it was really, really fun to watch. Um, you're seeing a lot of guys who, uh, you know, just you can tell they love the game so much. Um, and then obviously you see the ones who, you know, were itching to to leave the bubble. But yeah, it, it's been great. It's it, it has been, and I'll, I'll I'll leave you with this: if and it's a big what if. If the Heat were able to win this series, and I'm not sure that they can, but if they were, man, let me tell you, LeBron's legacy, oh, <laughs> like, like if he loses yeah. this, oh my God, like that would be that would set the that would set the frame. I was talking to uh, Ryan Hollins last night. I was texting back and forth with him, and I said, man, if the and he's he grew up as a Laker fan in Los Angeles. I said, man, if if the Lakers will lose this series, it sets the Lakers franchise back for sure. For sure, it yeah. sets it back. Like Mamba, black black Mamba uniforms. You know, you you think that it's just uh, fate complete that you can beat the Heat, and man, it does two things. It sets the franchise back, and it puts Eric Spolster in the Hall of Fame for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, for sure. So I don't know, man. So I, you know, I, this has been a weird. Obviously, twenty twenty has been very odd, and my hope is is that we can all get back together and watch football again. Because the, the hood cave is just lonely. It's just me. It's alone in a in a sad room with just one bottle of Crown Royal. I don't. I, I, it's not. It's not as noisy when you and your brother are going back and forth. You know. About. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get get down there and watch some uh, watch some Bears playoff games. Watch some uh, some basketball games going forward, and hopefully, uh, we're we're all doing. The smart thing, you know, uh, socially distancing, wearing a mask, washing our hands, you know, and uh, so we can uh, get back to life as 
we were we were accustomed to. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I missed the definitely missed the case. I, I miss you guys going back and forth when it's a a key part of the Bears game and you guys arguing whether or not. Dominique should have won a championship in the NBA or not. I mean, that's that's I just missed that. Not, it's nothing like, <laughs> like Maceo after like, you know, five or six shots. You know, talking about the Atlanta Hawks nineteen eighty nine roster. I mean, yeah, but you know what? Too, I also like before I know before you go, I, I want to uh, congratulate you on your uh, on your show, like, on the new show. I, I love it. Um, and it, and it sounds like I'm not the only one. It looks like I'm not the only one who loves the show. Uh, it's Lots of energy, um, great sports discussion. Uh, this is the way that I remember, you know, um, I'm, I'm not like a, a sports radio head. I only go back to like 2003 when I first started listening to sports yeah. radio. But this reminds me of that, you know, of the, some of the parts of the golden era uh, of sports radio. So, like, it's a great, great show. Um, and, uh, and, and I love the work that you're doing. I really love the work that you're doing. Thank you. I just wanted to congratulate you on that. Thank you, Cuzzo. Um, I can only do it one way, right? And you do it the right way. I, You know, from my times growing up in the business, it is about energy. It's about strong opinions. It's about energy. It's having, but also having fun, too. Yeah, I think right. that my whole thought, thought is, as someone who worked nights for 14 years, now doing mornings, like... It's all about energy, and it's all about making people think, people laugh. And I keep every morning I, I drive in and think about how once I'm downtown, and I don't know how often you've been to downtown as of late, Cuzzo, but it, it is sad, man. It's like yeah. you, you see the train go by like at 7 o'clock. We're, like we could be in a commercial. I'll, I'll paint a picture. We're in a commercial, right? So we'll be in a commercial, and I'll look outside. We're on the seventh floor of the of that building that I work in on State and Lake. And we can look down at the L tracks and there's like one person, two people. You look at the tr- the whole train that comes in on the red line and it's like three people on a train, four people on a train on in rush hour or what used to be rush hour. You see like you see very few people walking around downtown and so I always think when I'm driving in Man, we're in a really tough time right now, and so if we can make people laugh or think or smile, um, then I think I've done my job that day because we are going through it. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle that you're on, uh, from an economic standpoint, everything that's going on in 2020 that's been upside down. I always think when I take that mic, I got to be able to entertain, inform, and just have some light moments, man, because we, we are going through some deep shit in 2020, what, however you look at it. And so I think we all can use a little bit of levity and thoughtfulness and, you know, some good sports conversation just to get people's mind off of things because it's, it's tough. Yeah, it is. And you, and you all are definitely providing that um, and, and, and I know, like you said a lot, like, this is not your giddy end morning show. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not boring. It's not filled with just a hundred guests. Um, and like, that's, that's refreshing. That's refreshing for someone who, who wants to hear about Chicago sports. Like, hey, you know what? I can be tuned in and you don't want to miss anything, you know, because I'm, I'm driving, I, I am driving down to downtown area to my, my youngest son goes to uh, his school down there, so yeah. um, taking him down there, it's like, okay, I got to get out the car and take him in, but, okay, we're going to sit here for another five minutes until the commercial comes on, you know, and then we'll, I'll run out, you run up and, you know, and come back down because you don't want to miss anything. That's how great the show is. So, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's, it's something that sh- Chicago Sports Radio has been missing, and, and, and we really needed it, and, uh, and I'm glad you were providing it. I appreciate that. Cap and I have a fun time every morning, and uh, we do it. We do it our way. And uh, again, the sh- we just start on August seventeenth, but you know we got a long way to go. I'm, I'm appreciative of everybody, you know, checking in, and you've seen the columns. I talked about that in the open, so I definitely appreciate it. We just got to keep going, man. It is. We just want people to have more people under the tent and feel like, hey, we're not go- we're not going to talk down to you. We want you to be part of something special, and so we're growing the show. And we're looking to try to do more. I mean, it's it's been a couple of months, but we're trying to do this. If we're in a great place in the next couple of years, then that's what I'm looking forward to. But so far, so great. <laughs> you know, so I'm having fun. Good deal. Really good deal. All right, Cuzzo. Uh, let's see if we can get on the other side of this virus so we can all get together again and have some cigars and drinks and you know argue about the 1989 Bulls roster. <laughs> that's not even you. That's just that's just Maceo. That's not that's, that's, Aaron Pryor was great. Let me tell you, man. man let me ask you a question: Marciano or Aaron Pryor? I don't know, Maceo. I don't know. Fuck! Stop asking me. You know who's really good? Pernell Whitaker. He was really like okay. All right, all right. Pernell Whitaker was great. All right, all right. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's like, he, he was he was robbed. He was robbed. He beat y'all <laughs> That was some good boxing. I'm gonna get a whole bunch of like boxing. I'm gonna have him come over. Like here, man, just sit down here and just watch 15 rounds of boxing from the 80s when they was, you know, when they were tearing their brains out for every punch. Here's what you want. <laughs> here, sit down and watch this. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's his day. Right. See that CTE every punch you got a concussion. Yeah, I, yeah. That's the good old days. Yeah. So, <laughs> he's crazy. All right, man. All right. Thanks for having me, Cuzzo. All the best to you and the family, Cuzzo. Thanks for coming on. Thank you.